All right, so we got another episode of Out of State with Big Raj, and we got a uh, Rob is back to talk a little basketball for to finish my top twenty-five. I got fourteen through one still left to go. Uh, he's like, I think partially recovered because you're never fully recovered as a Knicks fan, and you probably never will be, but like partially <laughs> recovered from uh, from free agency and and the draft and not getting Zion and all and all that stuff. Uh, so yeah. I'm sorry to start off with that, but uh, how are you, man? <laughs> uh, I'm great. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> I, after the last time, I didn't think you were gonna have me back. You know? No, man, you did yeah. good. You 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 kind of basically predicted Katie and Kyrie saying no to the Knicks and going to the Nets and uh I know that w- that was pretty wild but uh but like they keep saying that um Brooklyn was building up the the right way I think you know like the the old um the the old debate everyone always says like would you rather tank and and try to get a, a superstar like number 1 or do you start building your team for the future and that's what um that's what Brooklyn definitely started to do with uh you know, a bunch of cast-offs and scrubs, and and now look at them. You know, they have uh, what the the GM that everyone wants, and uh, the head coach that looks like he's awesome to play for. So, so for sure, Brooklyn's uh, winning right now, I guess. Yeah, Brook. Yeah, Brooklyn just was able to build a really good team to make the playoffs with not a lot of high draft picks, and that's always tough to do. But they did get the Angelo Russell in that trade, but it, and but it all starts with the coach. They had a great system because it's true. Like even D'Angelo Russell at certain parts, even this season wasn't their best player. And they just had yeah. like a, like an interchanging system and the guards, they did have good combo guards that kind of fit what Kenny Atkinson wanted to do. Like Dinwiddie, Lavert and D'Angelo are both kind of like hybrid one twos. Like they could kind of do everything. Yeah. And it really led right, right into what Kenny did. And then he just got a bunch of guys who can shoot, be role players. Uh, that's like the new model in the NBA. The difference is like, I feel like the center's kind of coming back now, not as like your best player, but it feels like now that the Warriors are semi-retired, at least that version of them, it feels like the center might make like some kind of return because now all the other teams got big. Like the Lakers are... It's more like the stretch, yeah. Are 6'8 and up. (laughs) The Lakers don't even have somebody under 6'5 in their starting lineup. Well, it's it's, it's awesome. Like it's so crazy to see where basketball has gone and we're going to go into the list, but... I need to share this with you because I just thought of three days ago, I think they were just having like marathons and they were showing uh, the heat against the Knicks and you just had like the Latrell Sprewell, <laughs> yeah. Allen Houston, Larry Johnson, Ewing, Ewing teams. So I like was watching one of those games with his and Even though those teams were actually pretty stacked, like now that you watch those games, like those teams yeah. were really good for like that East that didn't have an identity. But I also they also had like an older Knicks game from like 93, 94 – and man, the game really was <laughs> ugly. <laughs> like just like 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 them just like finding different ways to feed the post. Patrick Ewing like passing it back, reestablishing. Like Akeem did the same thing, and it's just so funny. Like how much yeah. the games evolved and how much it's just not that. But I think I was watching one of those retro, you know, what do they call it, the classics, and uh, even like watching the the Jordan Bulls. Um, you know, you just see them set up the triangle every single time. It's super slow, but you know, it's kind of meticulous. You know, they, uh, he goes in the post and then works from there. It's a, it was a very slow game. It was very different. <laughs> yeah. It's like a simpler, like they, they, like Phil Jackson made those players go into their like spots and score. And I guess like it changed how they played because uh, like Jordan did it before, before the triangle when he was dropping 36 and I was, you know, 
not even a star in my dad's yep. eye and not say uh, <laughs> uh, anything swimming around yet because I was like five years away. Like that Jordan was dropping 34, 35, was like super athletic, but they didn't win any games. So it's just, yeah, the evolution of basketball is awesome. Wait, hold on. Can, can we talk about one second for how the – if it's true, if these stories are true, that KD just chose the Nets because it was either going to be the Nets or the Warriors, and he just – he liked what they were building. He said he never even spoke to these guys. Like, do we believe that? No. Your name is Liar because you're telling lies. You know what? The odds are I will never come back here again. There's a good chance of that. That's a chance we'll have to take. Okay. That's how you want to play it. Okay. I am disappointed. God. He just chooses where he wants to go. No, the, the only way I believe that is if he's saying it, that he legitimately considered once, like, free agency broke down was Nets and Warriors. Like, once free agency started, it was yeah. Nets and Warriors. But you can't tell me that throughout the season he knew it was Nets or Warriors. Yeah, he didn't know. Like, there was other teams that he was had to be considering. And I still think everything could have been a lot differently. If he doesn't tear his ACL, I mean, tear his, yeah. tear his Achilles I think in so, that game. Sure. I, I don't know. I just think that hypothetical world, it's it's fun that, not fun, because I think that series could have been so much more exciting. And we could have seen, as you'll see, the two top guys, I think, other than, you know, one of the GOATs going at it in the finals. And we didn't get that because, you know, Katie went down, Clay went down, all that shit. But I deviate a little bit. So top 25, I know I, I sent you some of it. I don't know if you've seen like the whole list of what I did. I had like 10 honorable mention players, but I'm not going to go into all that. So I had number 25. I had Drew Holiday, which was probably like the biggest shocker. 24, Blake Griffin. 23, Rudy Gobert. 22, LaMarcus Aldridge. 21, Siakam. 20, Bradley Beal. And that's where I said kind of that would be the end of my tier five, I guess you would say, all the way up to like a bunch of my honorable mention guys. And then for my tier four, I had Porzingis, your former uh, Lithuanian Nick. Oh, no. We suck again. Who uh, got into a fight in the offseason. <laughs> the, uh, the unicorn. The unicorn. Uh, Luka Doncic, who I just, who I love. I had him at 18. I had Cat Carl Anthony Towns at 17. Victor Oladipo, who's completely remade his career at 16, and Jimmy Buckets, who had a great postseason and now is joining me here in Miami because uh, I can't blame him. Miami's a beautiful place. And uh, here he's single, so he's probably here for that and uh, probably to be the star of a team. So running through that, did it, was anything crazy? Because I've never asked you. So like, do you think anything I put on that top 25 is completely ridiculous that you want to tell me? No, I think that was, uh, I, I was following along. I think, uh, it was, it's pretty good when you, uh, that, I think you, you said it the right way. You kind of got a group of as tears and, and you had them right. Yeah. Cause like, I feel like, yeah, if you want to argue with me for, t for 10 minutes and scream at me that CP3, Ben Simmons, Draymond, like CJ McCollum are better than Drew Holiday. I'm sure you have an argument you can make. So I feel like at that point, they're in the same tier of player. They could probably yeah, be like your third exactly. best player on a championship team, maybe second best if you have like a LeBron or like a KD. But um, So number 14, just joined the Rockets, and I'm excited. Like, as you saw, I didn't have CP3 in my top 25, and I would have 
had CP3 my top 15 a year ago. And I think that all the things people were worried about, about a short, shorter 6-1 point guard that is in his mid-30s is real. And Russ isn't there yet. He's 30, if I'm not mistaken, or 29. I'll look that up. And I just think him and James is actually going to be really interesting and a great mix. But I think this is the beginning to – so this is the beginning to Tier 3, and I start off with Russ at number 14. Do you think that's too high, too low? Are you surprised I have him here? So just to qualify your list, I know I asked you a little bit before, but you said it's just based on the player. It's not about based on, like, being able to win a championship. It's just, like, how good is this player right now? I think it's, like, a little – so I'm going to do – it's kind of a mix. So I'm going to say it's where – for I, I, for the most part, it's where I rank them. I guess that gets a little blurry at the top, but I do have, I don't want to spoil it, but it does, I guess yeah, yeah. that gets a little blurry at the top, but for the most part, it's where they are right now, what they've accomplished in a way. So if they've led a team to a finals, if they've taken a team to multiple conference finals, uh, all those things I consider. So for Russ, I think Russ has like a lot of, individual accomplishment like the triple doubles and uh taking his team to the playoffs as their number one option yeah but that as far as he so how about, how about you go down how about you go down to the next tier so what is it the next five players and then we can kind of debate right there so i'm gonna say so i'm gonna go russ because of everything i said i think the biggest knock on russ right now would be uh his shooting probably because he really takes a lot of ill-advised shots decision making isn't yeah. great that's probably why i don't have him a little bit higher and he hasn't gotten past the first round by himself. Well, I, I think Russ is the I, – I think it's the the experiment that we saw with Harden and CP3 part two, right? It's – Remix, baby. You know, when, when Harden can't do everything, Russ is going to take the ball, right? When Russ is – you know, they're going to kind of trade off. Why not, you know, someone's going to run the offense each time, and they're going to kind of trade off. But, yeah, I think you said it perfectly that Russ is, needs to get that shot kind of – like a little bit more consistent, which I think CP3, you know, at first I was a little nervous that he wasn't going to be as consistent and he ended up kind of, kind of being consistent with that three. So, and I hope you're, and I hope, if, you know, as Antoni, with, as your coach, you're taking a lot of threes. So I think they work on it more and you, and you probably get a few more open threes with James running point, but let's continue. So yeah. if I say, so Russ 14, I put Kyrie at 30. So Kyrie Irving, yeah. uh, Brooklyn Nets now, former Celtic, kind of had a disappointing, I guess, finish to that to that whole situation because going into the season, people had the the Celtics as a 65-win team and the team in the forefront to lead the East for the next five years and replace LeBron as the East. And that was not the case because they were bounced in the second round, only won one game against the Bucks, which was game one, and Kyrie went from shooting bad to shooting worse to shooting a lot worse. And it seems like maybe he missed LeBron and instead of being so philanthropic, he should have tried shooting a little more and being less of a dick. Yeah, it definitely seemed like he, uh, especially at the end, he kind of just, you know, was checked out. If if all the rumors are true, didn't get along with teammates and different things. So, yeah, I mean, you still got to, I think talent-wise he's, you know, whether it's 13 or 14, whether you interchange him and Russ, but, you know, he's great. Hopefully he doesn't get injured, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see him more committed now with, uh, with Brooklyn. Is Brooklyn in the house without a doubt. Yeah. And I think that's what's going to be most interesting to see, to see if he can rebuild 
in a way rebuild his image because I think once you get to this level of player, you stain like players have stained themselves and they they're looked at differently. Look at Carmelo. Look at Carmelo's legacy today from the scrappy Denver player who just was an automatic walking bucket to to being the king of New York for a short lived moment, getting to fifty five wins, and then it just like went crashing down and and now he's yep. not getting accepted to Team USA when he wants to show up, and they literally have nobody, like nobody there. How about no, Scott, okay? Uh, we're going to talk about Team USA later. I don't want to jump into that now, but losing 36-17 in a scrimmage against no NBA players is not uh, a promising sign. But Kyrie doesn't I, – I think Kyrie cares about his legacy. You know, he has one of the most iconic shots in, in NBA history, and I think that kind of – put like a pep in his step where that kind of made him feel like he could show out a little more and be that dude and like, nah, take me to Boston. LeBron's going to leave me. I don't want to stay on this sucky-ass Cleveland team living in Cleveland, uh, unlike Odell Beckham who decided to welcome going over there. But uh, the Russ and Kyrie thing for me just comes down to shooting. And late in games, I feel like I could trust Kyrie a little bit more because if you give me the first 45, Four minutes, I'd probably take Russ over Kyrie. But in the last yep. four minutes, I'd rather have Kyrie. And the separation in the yeah, last four is a bigger gap than the clutch factor. Yep. Yeah. 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 I'm good. So you agree with me. So number 12, the man who tore his ACL and I believe would have won a third championship if he stayed on that team and didn't get hurt in game six. Or if he just didn't miss game three and was actually healthy through the series. I know that's another hypothetical situation, but Clay Thompson, probably one of the five greatest shooters of all time, uh, elite defender, iconic member of the Splash Brothers. What else can I say? Like Clay Thompson is just that dude. And I think, uh, he's disrespected <laughs> a lot and I've yeah. watched him do it to my teams. Like I'm a big Rockets fan and I kind of had a, I rooted for that Thunder team. With Russ, Katie, and Harden, and then when Harden left, once the Rockets were out, I was kind of rooting for the for Russ and Katie to win a championship that year. And I've just seen Clay be so cold blooded in big moments and just like go off yeah. in iconic games and have no like that guy walked back on the court with a torn ACL and what and told Kerr like, dude, give me two minutes. I'm yeah, good. he wanted to stay out. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, dude. I don't ACL. Delon Blair doesn't have two of them. Like, I don't need that one right now. Just leave me in the game. Yeah. If, even if I had a broken leg, I was going to play. Nah, probably not. But, uh, <laughs> I would have tried to play. I keyword tried. I would have tried to play. And uh, Steve Kerr did the right thing, said no. We're about to give you a super max. Like, no, not super max, but a five-year, $200 million max. Like, you got to sit the yeah. down. And uh, I'm sorry that you can't ride this along with us. But I'm a big clay guy. Yeah. What do you say? So- I saw your preview of this list. I uh, I was trying to find a way to put Clay higher because I uh, like higher to the top because I'm such a big Clay fan and uh, man, I wish like there was a chance he would leave Golden State. And I, <laughs> if I was the Knicks, I would have thrown every bit of money at him. But uh, you know, I I think in the right situation, he's definitely the um, he could be a one. I think he's like a you know his defense and like we were talking about before, it's kind of like the elevated role player. So you have the D, you have you know, the ability to shoot the three-pointer. Uh, I think he's an alpha, and he's, you know, he's had Curry, so he hasn't had to do that himself yet. But, um, man, I, I agree with you. I think the, the both of them would have won that championship. 
and KD would have, you know, it, it would have proved everyone wrong that, or right that saying that K, you know, KD wasn't needed for that, for that three P, but, um, but you know, didn't work out that way. So. No, it, and if that would have happened, I think what that would have done to Clay's legacy. And like, honestly, if Clay comes back, cause it looked like he was about to go for, I've, I think I've thrown out so many different numbers when I've talked about this, but it looked like he was going to go from to like 40 to 50 points in that game. Like he yeah, was, was going to single-handedly win that. Yeah. in that game. And if he would have done that and then been the best player in game seven and somehow managed to not allow Steph Curry to get another finals MVP, but just yep. more than that, that series and the Houston series where Steph Curry couldn't make a fucking shot in game, uh, game six. And I think yep. Clay had 28 or 27 in the first half. And then Steph ended up putting up 25 in the second half and put us away. But Clay's just clutch ability. And I agree that he could be a number one scoring option. I think he would need a, um, a creative point guard because he's still not unbelievable at finding his own shot. He kind of yeah, needs yeah. some help running off the screens. Even though he can, like, bang, bang, two dribbles, like, pull up in your face, it's just he couldn't do that for a whole game. I think it would wear him down because that's not his forte. But unbelievable player. But how good is the NBA that it's really hard to put Clay above anybody else that I have ahead of him, right? Yeah, I know. That's crazy. The NBA is so good. And then that's when we're going to move to our next guy who changed teams this year who nobody expected. I was in Key West sleeping with Priscilla on an inflatable mattress and it was like 8.30 a.m. And I roll over because we had, I, I forgot what time it was like maybe one, one thirty. went to sleep. Yeah. And I see yeah. a message and I like, I literally jumped out of bed. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And this was like, Oh my God. What happened? What, what happened? I was like, Paul George just got traded to the Clippers. And she like, looked at me like, what? What? Like, who? what? And I'm just like, all right, I need to, I need to, I need to get out of bed. I literally get out of bed. I think I call, I think I call Jordan and I'm like, dude, I wake him up. He hadn't heard the news. And yeah, Paul George for 155 first round picks, uh, Shea Gilgris Alexander, Shea Gildress Alexander, Danilo Gallinari. And dude, I just couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe that Paul George got moved for that trade. And then obviously that led to Kawhi Leonard and the, is going yeah. to the Clippers. Like that was hand in hand that went together, but I just didn't see that coming. Like that was a move that shook me. Like that led to Russ obviously going to Houston and caused a ripple effect. But if you would have told me Jimmy would have gone to play with Kawhi in LA, I would have said, okay, maybe Kyrie, maybe even Kemba, but PG for five or whatever it was, I think it ended up being like six first round picks or five first round picks, two pick swaps. And all those players, like, honestly, un- one of the craziest things ever, but he's number 11, one of the best two-way players in yeah. the NBA. What were your thoughts on the trade? And then I guess where I, I mean, I, I can't really add to anything you said. I think you, you said it perfectly, but it, it's one of those things that's kind of scary that these players can kind of just dictate where they, where they go, you know, like he wasn't on anyone's radar and then. You know, all of a sudden, <laughs> I, I wasn't up as late as you were, but I think like five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning the next day, I couldn't believe it. I thought I was, you know, imagining things. These guys just choose where they want to play, who they want to play with. And, um, doesn't matter if you're under contract, like we've seen <laughs> in the NFL or anything, like, you know, they just sign these huge contracts and they still make it to whatever team they want to play with in the future. So yeah, the control, 
But but I mean, you know, if you're Oklahoma City, if you, I always think like if I was a GM, I would try to do these kind of crazy things too, right? Like everyone kind of always gives Daryl Morey, uh, you know, crap because he he says you know everyone's expendable except like Harden or whatever, right? But like Sam Presti, same thing with Oklahoma City, right? You gotta, you know, you you kind of see the writing on the wall, right? Like they're not going to compete in this next year or so. Then Russ is going to get older. You know, all these kind of moves are put together and. Kudos to him to get as the biggest package that he could possibly get, and it sucks for the the Thunder fans, but you know it, it's a bold move, so you gotta be happy with it, I guess. They're trying to find some more rookie players to to get them over the hump. You got it. Like I know it's zigging when you're zagging, and I guess in a way the Sam Presti deal was the opposite of the Daryl Morey theory, but they're yeah. both in very different positions, right? Like Daryl Morey inherited a Houston yeah. team that had the Yao Ming. T-Mac, and I don't know exactly what year Daryl took over as GM. I I probably should know that. But once he took over, he kept recycling, and we had this scrappy team that kept kind of making the playoffs or or just missing the playoffs, and he just kept gathering pieces. And players who had some value, whether it was Terrence Jones or or, uh, Kevin Martin, and, you know, he moved on our test, and, like, he did all these things to – to consistently build a better team, drafted Chandler Parsons, like started building this nucleus. And he actually fucked up a few times. Like he could have signed Dragic and instead signed Jeremy Lin and went to go sign Omir Ashik because at the time you needed a big in the NBA. So he thought, hey, let's put these guys together with Parsons. And his creativity, though, ended up with James Harden being a rock. And that's the same logic with the Thunder now where it's like, we're going to make this massive trade for PG because we can't get out of the first round. Like we've seen what this looks like. Russell's not getting better. PG's not getting better. So them together isn't going to get us anything further. And we don't even have the money to put competent shooters around them. The Thunder just built the wrong team twice. Like they built it. Like they had the KD team was, was incredible, but it stayed too big and they were never able to get a complimentary guard after they got rid of Reggie. Yep. Like, Derek Fisher shouldn't be playing crunch time. Like, I know I'm going, like, on a separate Thunder tangent, but that's kind of how they ended up in this predicament. So, to yeah. now just blow it no, up. No, I mean, listen, there, there's bold moves, and, you know, sometimes they backfire, but and sometimes you pull the plug a little too fast. But, you know, I, I guess they were in cap hell. No one's going to willingly choose... Uh, this NBA is a different animal now, right? No one's willingly going to choose to go to Oklahoma City. So you can't attract top talent. Salary cap is stuck, you know, like. And you're getting seven first round picks. Seven first round know. picks I, is I, enough to be like, yeah. oh, it's unprotected. Like, I think what they're going to try to do is do, uh, you know, in the next three years or so, move some of those picks, get some players, and then try to have like uh, those controlled contracts as much as they can because, again, no one's willingly going to. <laughs> to sign over there. So yeah, no one's going to be like, Oh man, I really want to go play with a uh, 33 year old Chris Paul. Yeah. Uh, and I really want to go play with Danilo. I heard like, not, I don't need New York or LA. I'm going to go to Oklahoma city. I heard they have a good rodeo on Thursday nights after 8 PM. Really check that out. Yeah. But yeah, P- PG's a beast. Yeah, so. uh, he had his, maybe had some of his best years before the injury in Indiana, but he was unbelievable last year. Uh, third in the MVP race. One of the best defenders in the NBA. Yeah. 
I always feel like, you know, I like PG, but I always feel like he, um, you know, when I watch games and stuff, he never looks like he's the best player out there, but somewhere he always has like, you know, these huge games and, and I think it's, uh, you know, kind of what we've been talking about. And I guess we'll talk about it a little bit sooner. It's these guys that play defense, you know, can score and it, you know, it's these multi-facet players that can do everything, which is, um, it's exciting to watch, you know, like, Defense is never sexy, but but now it's kind of getting to be that way. So yeah, and that's where and that's how Paul George got here. But I think what separates maybe some of the guys ahead of Paul George uh, on this list is kind of what you talked about. Not necessarily that maybe he doesn't look like the best player on the court in some in in games, but it's the ability yeah. to like really carry a team when you have to and your back's against the wall. He did that in a few games, but. All great players yep. can do that a they few should. games. It's guys who can do it for like 25 games, 20 games. Uh, like really yep. be able to carry these teams when there's not a second option. And when there wasn't a second option in Indiana and he was coming back from a big injury, tough year to judge him on. They get the eighth seed. They get so much better with Oladipo. And he really made up for that this year. But I'm still worried about the injuries that he suffered, the rotator cuff, all that stuff. So uh, yep. I'm going to go PG at 11. Number 10, I'm going Joel Embiid. Uh, I think what he's done in the last three years, staying healthy, to me, the second best center in the NBA. I'm just a big Embiid guy. You can run your offense through him. His three-point shooting starting to scare me along with, like, his stamina and conditioning. He, his three-point shooting was off towards the end of last year. You can't just, like, kind of get a flu or get kind of sick and miss two games. But pl- he played in – I know he missed one and then was kind of really sick in another one. That was, like, a really weird – situation in a really winnable series like I just can't see some of the other iconic players that I grew up loving having that happen like if Akeem Olajuwon did that when I was eight years old like I would have lost my shit like I don't know I probably would have called you and been like dude am I fucking going crazy here like Akeem's not playing because he has the flu thumb to drink some Pedialyte or something that's what my mom gives me like get him on the court. <laughs> so th- th- that's like the weird MB thing, but he does look like a transcendent player, and he's obviously elite defensively. But Jimmy Butler looked like the best player on that team in a lot of moments in that series against Toronto. Yeah. So that's kind of where why MB stops at ten. And I could see you arguing Paul George and some of the other guys over him, but two sides of the court elite center. I, I think they just released like the Vegas released some like win totals for the coming year and, and they have the 76ers, um, you know, pretty high to the top, I think. And I think it's because MB, uh, you know, some of the things you said, like the conditioning and everything, I think he's now he's going to prove that he's going to be, you know, the best center in the league or, um, I think that's what he's at. I always get the feeling, you know, he's a big jokester, they always say. So he, um, maybe he thought they were just going to kind of walk through the East and, um, and you know, you always say like you need that. You need to go through that bad situation, get that bad taste in your mouth, and um, kind of similar to like the Bucks this year. But I think the the Sixers, you know, I, I think Embiid's going to come out firing next year. So I think ten was a, a good. Yeah, and hopefully he doesn't have like the Dwight Howard laughing syndrome, which I think has like kind of ruined Dwight Howard's legacy now. The post Houston, yeah. even though no one even remembers that he was like competent on Houston, like the last two, the first two years in Houston, he was actually pretty good. But hopefully yeah. Embiid has a better uh, a better storybook once it's all over and he stays healthy. That's the biggest thing for Embiid. If he stays healthy, he could be top five in the NBA if he continues to develop yeah, and do sure. the things he does, especially if he becomes you know a 35% three-point shooter now that he's getting a lot more open looks on that team. So number nine, 
another guy who uh, has gotten to the conference finals but hasn't played in the finals yet, was great last year, hit maybe the most iconic first-round shot I've ever seen, Dame Lillard. Uh, just came out with a rap album, haven't heard it, but I might check it out, who knows. Uh, but Dame is a bad dude, and I've been really impressed with the jumps and the leaps he, he's made. Uh, he really bounced back from getting swept by the hands of the Pelicans, and probably one of the reasons Drew Holiday's in my top 25 is uh, what he showed me in that postseason and his ability to really lock down Dame. But uh, Dame needed to do more against Golden State for me. Uh, they were undermanned. They had him a little bit on the ropes. They were leading in double digits in three of those games. And uh, yep. him and CJ, I know that maybe they were out of gas. You know, they had two tough series. They hadn't been tested like that yet in their careers. And you know it takes time in the NBA. But that's kind of why Dame ends for me at nine and is still in tier three and not in the top tier, the top two tier. He's one of those players that every time I see him too, like it's just he looks, you know, he's a great player. But, you know, I, I feel like I don't. He doesn't seem like whatever. Maybe it's just the games I watch. It doesn't seem like he takes over them. Or you know, I, I was hoping that he that they were gonna get past Golden State, and you know, they just they couldn't do it. Which I mean, maybe it's more of a a statement on Golden State, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think Dame. I, I wouldn't put him any lower on your list. Maybe you can swap him with Embiid if you want, but um, you know, I think he's. Hopefully, you know, when it's all said and done, he'll he'll have a championship or something. But uh, I, I wish he would have, you know, really took over that playoffs last year, kind of like what Kawhi did. But, um, you know, that would have been great. Yeah, and, it's, and, and I guess, you know, it's the, it's the thing that it's really tough to do as a guard. We even saw it with Curry when he kind of had to do everything in that finals. It felt like he yeah. really needed Clay to do more because it's tough to do as a guard. Uh, and that's why... Yeah, mm-hmm. I, was this the series that they kind of took turns? Like one game McCollum was up and then one game Dame was up? Uh, no, that was, I think that was the Denver series that they did a lot of that, where it was like it was seven games uh, where they were kind of, even though CJ really went, CJ had a better Denver series, Dame had a better uh, OKC series, and against Golden State, they just, okay. Dame, I think both of them struggled for a lot of the games, especially Dame. Dame wasn't himself uh, in the Golden State in the Golden State yeah. series, and they just couldn't close games. But that's why that's why the next guy on my list is here, because even though he lost to Dame in the second round, what he did in that series, how he controlled the game, Nikola Jokic was was unbelievable. The Joker. Uh, yeah. I love the nickname, too, the Joker. He's like this big, awkward-looking motherfucker, and like he kind of <laughs> does look ugly, you know, but he's such a beast and just... He's so good. He's he's the best passing big I've ever seen. Like even more than than uh I never saw. I didn't really saw too much Arvidas Sabonis besides like you yeah. know the Blazers years. But he really is as a passer something I've never seen before. Uh, ability to like bring up the ball. Like he's so big. You remember when Shaq would bring up the ball and he kind of did it kind of fluidly in uh in Orlando when it was in LA. <laughs> it was like more awkward and slow. Yeah. Jokic does that with Denver, but like the ball's on a string. You will never get this. You will never get this. You know what I mean? Like he looks big and awkward, but he's like ready to go. Like he just, he's an unbelievable just ball hand. Like, dude, I, again, admittedly, I, 
I for sure haven't seen him as much as I probably should because he's much better than even what I thought. I had when I saw him high up in your list, I kind of had to <laughs> look up his numbers. Yeah, no, if you and and look up some articles on him, see, but he's you know he's misleading. And then I just wanted to say, like, I was reading an article, and the first thing they said about him was <laughs> Nikola Jokic doesn't make sense. There shouldn't be a big man who can score, rebound, and drop dimes and bottles. <laughs> like, it's nuts, right? Like he's He's a great player, but um, it's just crazy. I, I haven't really seen much of his game. No, it, he's he's really unbelievable. And if you watch that series, like you have to imagine a dude his size going through two seven game series, having to take on the burden that he did on those teams, playing in overtime games. Yeah. Like he ran out of gas, and he also had you know Jamal Murray and Paul Millsap and Gary Harris, like all good players. But that's that's who you're depending on as your second option in the playoffs in the Western Conference. Yeah. Like that's not a small task. It's hard because you know I, I think they were in on a lot of people at the trade deadline, if I remember correctly, and they obviously they didn't get it. They anymore. were, they were. But but you know th- that's another system that that team looks like they're kind of like the Nets, right? Like they they just they play really good together, and you know. It, if you add a superstar to that team, do they get better or do they get worse? You know, like, are they good just because they're all system players right now and, and the system's working for them? But yeah, I mean, they're, they're another up and coming exciting team. So. Well, yeah, and, and that's, and, and, uh, the, the trade that I thought would have been so interesting would have been if they could have put together some kind of Brad Beal package for next season. Yeah. Because since Brad Beal's not going to be on a winning team, they actually have some pieces like Gary Harris, you know, Malik Beasley, yeah. first round pick. And maybe throw in like, uh, Porter or some of these other guys. They could, there is a deal for Beal, but I think, I guess they're waiting on one more year. Let's see what this, what, where Jokic and this team takes us. So that's the end yeah. of tier three. We definitely took longer than I thought, but that's what happens when you talk basketball and, uh, you get excited. All right. So that's it for part one with Rob. Uh, make sure to check out part two.